Charisma Quotient. I'm your host, Kim Seltzer, a dating and makeover expert, where I will help you build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. You know, when you first meet someone and you're really excited about, it is so easy to get lost in that kind of chemistry, right? And But that's what it should be. That's normal. It's kind of like the honeymoon state that you're in when you first meet someone you're excited about. And that's what makes meeting someone you like really fun and it's special. And most of us have experienced something like this. It's normal. But what if you find yourself actually losing yourself in dates, losing yourself in relationships where it completely consumes you? And in fact, you spend so much energy changing yourself in order to please or accommodate the other person or even have, you know, you want to try to make them like you more. You might be doing this in all encounters, right? Like maybe it's not just with the opposite sex. I mean, take, you know, almost a self-assessment of your friendships, your family members, your coworkers. Do you find yourself literally kind of getting lost in these relationships. And classic signs might be, okay, you're changing your opinions to keep the peace. You hate conflict and you just, you know, want that other person to to like you and be calm. You might be sacrificing your interests and your own set of values for theirs. Their problems might bother you as if they were actually your own. Like you'll take on those problems and get so consumed with it. You might even pass up opportunities for yourself, all because you want to please them and accommodate them. So overall, what I'm talking about is that you are finding yourself softening your own voice and shrinking yourself to fit into someone else's mold just to perhaps gain love and validation. I actually just recently encountered um, a woman. She called me up um, and we're doing some coaching together. And she's exactly in this situation. She came to me on the brink of separating from her boyfriend of seven years. Now, what was interesting is they knew each other in high school, but they didn't date and they got reconnected. And like... This year, he came to her and said, out of the blue, by the way, I'm not attracted to you anymore. And quite honestly, I don't know if I ever was. And he's not turned on by her and he's telling her all these things. And so when she called me up, she's like, well, okay, you know, I, I'm, I'm doing all these things, right? Like I'm changing my looks. I'm working out like crazy. I, I, I want this to work out so bad, she says to me. But she also wanted to look at herself, at her piece, because her self-esteem was totally shot. Now, exploring how she grew up, it, it, there, you know, we kind of uncovered a few things. I mean, one was that her dad was pretty unpredictable in his moods and actually would be physically abusive. And she had a lot of resentment around that. And she also told me that her mom, she was, you know, kind of emotionally distant and she was always trying to get the mom's love. So fast forward to her relationships now she literally was finding herself chasing that love, right? And, and usually she would be attracted to these kind of distant guys, but they came in different shapes and forms. And here she was getting reconnected with this guy from high school. And she thought this guy was different. 
So now she's hanging on so tightly, trying to make it work, even though she's not getting her needs met. In fact, he blames her for the lack of attraction. And she realized on our last call that she indeed lost herself. And she's been overlooking her own needs for a long time, trying to gain his affection and attraction. And in essence, that's how she's interpreting love. So that's what I want to dive into today. And I can't think of anyone better to do this. And it's actually from a spiritual standpoint. So I'm so excited to have her on. Um, she is amazing. You're going to be blown away. She's also a friend I've known for a while. So I'm so excited. She's a world-renowned speaker, author, and spiritual guide. She is a modern-day medicine woman. She's a co-author alongside Deepak Chopra. She's been featured guest on TV networks such as E! and MSNBC. She has a really, really heartfelt story that I'll have her talk to you about, but, you know, she was raised in a difficult situation, but then was adopted and raised by a Native American holy man who inspired her studies of shamanic practices. So she incorporates that in what she does with people today, and she helps women within their spiritual path. And it's really, really powerful. She's worked with celebrities, medical doctors, psychiatrists, Ivy League professors, and they all say even just one or two days with her is really transformative. And right now she lives with her daughter, Violet, in San Diego, and people fly all over the world just to work with her. So welcome, Rose Cole. Hi, Rose. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Kim. It's been oh. so much fun to reconnect with you after all these years. I thank know. You. It's like, how sad is it that it took my podcast to talk to you after a zillion years, <laughs> right? How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Yeah, how are you? I'm doing well, and I'm just so excited that you are coming on today because I think you have an amazing journey and a, and a fantastic message that I think a lot of people are going to relate to and, and heal by you. So I don't know. I, and you know, when I was reading your bio, I, I literally had no idea of some of the stuff that you kind of grew up with. And I, I would love to hear your journey and like how you really got into it because the last I saw you, do you remember this role, Rose? I was, um, I think shopping with 10 of your women for a photo shoot. Do you remember that? That I saw you? Oh my goodness. Wow. Because <laughs> you do these fantastic transformative retreats and I helped Rose dress some of her ladies. So tell me about your journey up until now. Oh my goodness. Well, I'll start with uh, childhood stuff. So yes, I had a very tumultuous childhood, a lot of abuse, a lot of mental illness in my family. I was sexually molested when I was six years old. So I was a really, really um, insecure teenager and young adult. I had really low self-esteem. I had really crippling anxiety. <clears throat> and I would just, I would get into really destructive relationships with people that, with men that treated me like crap. I just would take peanuts from them. Mm. And I just didn't really, I didn't know any better. That's what I'd seen modeled by my mom. And so I would find myself in these relationships where I would be leaning in and doing so much for them and just completely losing myself. And I didn't realize at the time that I was codependent. I didn't know what that word meant. I thought, I thought that codependency was 
when somebody has a drug or alcohol addiction or when you're enabling somebody that has a drug and alcohol addiction, but I've learned some different definitions of codependency since then that have really resonated with me. Mm -hmm. One of which is when you have the need to be liked. Mm. Like it's actual need, not a like to be liked, but a need to be liked by others. And another definition I really like is when you modify or change your behavior so that you could avoid loss of love or to try to make somebody else happy. When you modify or change your behavior to try and make someone else happy or to avoid loss of love. When I heard that definition, it was like a light bulb went on. It was really like having a cold bucket of water put in my head. I realized that <laughs> I was far end of the spectrum codependent and it was showing up in work relationships, romantic relationships with my family, um, friends. I was a people pleaser. And so it was a journey of decoding that and coming into my sovereignty and gaining self-respect and self-esteem and working with my anxiety so that I can arrive at this happy, grounded place today. Oh my gosh, what a journey. Well, and I, I wondered, and I know you're going to get into this because you're probably, um, you know, teaching this in, you know, when you help people, but how did you personally get over that stuff? Because those, I mean, those were like tall hills to climb. <laughs> yeah, well... Um, the first thing is just the realization because I had no idea that I was doing it. And it took uh, me a really long time. Even I was a per, at one point I did holistic nutrition, as you know, and yeah. had a very successful nutrition practice. And it was still showing up in my adult life. Um, and I was this very successful coach, coach booked two months in advance with holistic nutrition. Um, and I just, I didn't know that it was running the show. So having the awareness is really the hardest part. Just the wake up process of, oh my gosh, I've been giving my power away and I've been people pleasing and losing myself. And one of the biggest realizations for me is that codependency is on a spectrum. So like mm -hmm. if, if you have a line in front of you, a horizontal line on one pole, on one side of that line is codependency. And on the other side of that pole, the other side of that spectrum is sovereignty. So it's not that any of us, like one of us is codependent and the other one is sovereign. It's that we're somewhere along that spectrum. And so as I started to learn and study this and study coaching, and I um, had my own process of studying shamanism and going deep into medicine ceremony and my own spiritual path. Mm -hmm. And I just I kept peeling away the layers and waking up and waking up and waking up and had a series of spiritual awakenings and then made this one of my life paths to educate others on this important topic, because I feel like it is one of the most important things we can do for humanity at this time is to step into our sovereignty and everything in your life gets better. Like work yeah. relationships get better, friendships get better. Um, a lot of people, I know I was very codependent with family members, like not able to set boundaries, not able mm -hmm. to say no. So all of our relationships get better, not just romantic. And then you know, this thing that I used to do where I would completely lose myself in romantic relationships. Like as soon as I liked a guy, I was, in. I was, I was in and I was following around like a puppy dog. And before I knew it, two or three years later, I was left not knowing who the heck I was on the other side of a relationship. <sighs> yes. Yeah. That's exactly what we're talking. Okay. Well, I want to go back to what you said, this like spiritual awakening that you had, because I can, 
you know, almost hear listeners think about things for themselves. It's like, well, how do you become aware? How do you, how do you awaken? And I love having you on because I always joke, like I'm, I'm not very woo woo. (laughs) So you're bringing the woo into my therapy and I love it because I think the combination is so important. I, I, I am really interested and, you know, maybe there, I don't know if there were exercises or things that you did as part of that spiritual journey to get like that awareness that you got. The awareness, when I read these, the seven different signs that you lose yourself in a relationship, as I read them, mm-hmm. um, I invite those that are listening to listen to each of them and do a little bit of self-reflection, just that little bit of self-reflection and awareness. I've had people that have heard me mention these have pop and I call it popping like popcorn. All of a sudden something pops into focus and you go, oh my gosh, I'm doing that. And that, believe it or not, is mm-hmm. like... of the battle right there because it goes from being unconscious to conscious. So should I love it? Yes. Go for it. I love it. So these are not in any particular order, but um, the first one is shrinking yourself. So this Mm. shows up when we dim our light, when we play small, Um, you can even, it even shows up when we downplay our successes. So Um, sometimes we even resist making money or not taking a promotion or talking about our our successes with other people because we want to spare other people's ego or feelings or because we're really afraid that other people will think that we're bragging or egotistical. So we kind of play small. We kind of dim ourselves. I know that I've done that a lot in relationship. Oh my God. Wait, can I just pause there? Because this shows up in in relation to a lot of times my clients who are scared to even wear things that make them being seen. You know what I mean? Like how you're saying shrinking yourself. Well, I I find that people shrink themselves in their clothes too, or hide and they become kind of wrapped up in this ginormous cocoon with their clothes. And I, I throw myself under the bus all the time. That was totally me after my divorce in my black oversized clothes. And but you're right. Like, I think with that, you, you know, the clothes are just a metaphor for hiding and shrinking yourself often because I do find that a lot of the clients who are doing that with their clothes are doing that on the inside as well. So I just wanted to like, it just came to me as you were talking. So very oh, cool. Hitting the nail on the head. I completely agree. Yep. Um, the next is suppressing your voice. So hiding your desires, hiding what you really want, hiding what you really need because you don't want to inconvenient your partner or your date. You may have um, a difficult time talking about your political views or your spiritual views, or maybe you undermine or suppress what you really think Mm -hmm. because you're afraid about what they'll think about you. So I've done this on a date like (sighs) I I have... (laughs) I actually ordered all vegetarian food because I went on a date with a guy who's a vegetarian and just didn't want to tell him that I eat meat. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I remember lying. um, I remember, I mean, hiding and lying about um, the the fact that I was spiritual and my spiritual beliefs because I was afraid of being judged or being woo woo, which you can totally shows up on dating, right? You're sitting across from this person. It feels like a job interview. And all of a sudden, if we have codependency, all of a sudden we're like, not wanting to share and really stand for our beliefs. I, I, there was yeah. a woman who, this is kind of a sad story, but she, she was Jewish and her, there was a man that was around her who kept making race, racist jokes about Jews. 
And she never told him that she was Jewish. She was so- Oh my God. She was so embarrassed that she just suppressed it. And this went on for months and months and months. And you know what you're highlighting too, and I love what you said about the judgment. I think a lot of times when you do like change- your political views or spiritual views or whatever, just to get that person to be in alignment with you or to like you or to validate you. It's really the fear of being judged and and the fear of not being accepted. Would you agree with that? Mm -hmm. Yes. And then it can turn in when we're codependent, that fear becomes like larger than light. It becomes like Mm -hmm. um, where we're not willing to stand for ourselves, you know, where we abandon ourselves. Because yeah. fear, the desire to be liked overrules or, or loss, you know, the fear of loss of abandon of, um, or rejection is worth, is bigger than us standing for ourselves and really claiming who we are. Yeah. Oh my, and you know what, another thing too, is that like, kind of like the clothes when I was talking about shrinking yourself, I think the voice is not just even your opinions, but I find, I don't know if you've seen this with your clients, I find that e- actually even the tonality of their voice is quiet. Totally. Right? Like I've worked with people out in the field, like doing like my wing girl sessions, right? And I'm helping them flirt and, you know, being more open. And out. and I've there's so many women who kind of turn down their voice because they're, they're scared of actually even being heard. Totally. And, right. So it's, I mean, it goes beyond just the opinion. I mean, truly showing up in the clothes and the voice, it's amazing how the outside and the inside are so symbiotic. Right. So yeah, this is good stuff. Okay. So what else? Yeah. Um, the next is taking their stuff on. So let's say your partner goes through a hard time. Does it really upset you? Does it rock you? Mm-hmm. Or do you find yourself worrying about their problems um, incessantly or trying to solve their problems for them? That's <sighs> one of the I would do. So like in past relationships, if my partner was in a bad mood, it would rock me. It would affect my emotional state. I would have a really whole, hard time holding my center and my happiness and my emotional state. And my emotional state would start to be dictated by their mood. So that's one of the signs you know that you are losing yourself and going into, into codependency. Oh my gosh. Yes. And, and then I love, you know, solving their problems. And I'm, again, you'll probably relate to this too, Rose. Like I think people who are in the helping profession in particular, and I have a lot of clients who are like, whether you're a teacher or a nurse, a coach, a therapist, we tend to get sucked into that, right? Like, cause we want to help people. And so it's so easy to also fall into that. But in essence, we lose ourselves along with that because it's just, it's easy role for us on top of what you're saying. So yeah. Totally. You know, in my business now, um, in the programs that I teach, it's interesting. I have a a program that teaches about codependency and how to overcome it. Mm. I have have people in that program that are doctors, medical doctors, uh, psychiatrists, psychologists, veterinarian, very, very um, big spiritual teachers, people that are waking up to, they had no idea here they are this successful doctor and that they're codependent. So I just want to point out one thing that, and I have very big spiritual teachers that I've coached um, on their codependency is that we can be really um, successful in one area of our life, but we just never were taught 
how to hold our sovereignty and hold our center. We weren't taught about how to set boundaries. We weren't taught about codependency. And especially just depending on what your parents were like, this could be a blind spot that you can be so successful in these other areas and it just goes unnoticed. Yes. I see it happen to so many different kinds of people. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. It's just something that you've never learned before. And just because you're good at it for other people doesn't mean you're necessarily good at it for yourself, right? <laughs> you know, like how the, <laughs> I know that was true for me for sure. You know, for a long time I fell into that, yeah, that the the kind of the always the helper and and never really looking at myself because it's also easier. Let's face it, it's always easier to focus on other people than ourselves, right? Especially what we do. So yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Maybe like one more. And then I want to, I want to learn also like, and I'm sure everyone else does how to get over then some of this stuff. Yeah. yeah. The next one, number four is, um, your self care slips. So this is really <sighs> classic. We get into a relationship. Let's say you're single and you're going and you're working out and you're going to yoga and all of a sudden you start dating or go get into a relationship and your exercise routine slips. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> instead of going to the gym, you're like watching movies with him because that's what he w- likes to watch. Or maybe you find yourself going to the bar to watch the sports game and you're eating mm-hmm. pizza then and you're drinking beer instead of eating healthy. And so it's really common to get into relationships. And when you have codependency to gain weight and to have your mm-hmm. self routine slip. Yeah. Yes. Oh gosh. And that happens. And I, th- I, I think that happens to actually a lot of couples. I mean, codependent or not, right? Like, cause you, you tend to, sometimes it's just easier, right? To eat a bunch of pizza and Chinese food in front of the TV than to, yeah, like make yourself a salad. Right. And it, it's, there's a laziness, but I think what you're talking about is that it's to an extreme where you really don't like focus on your needs and being healthy and all of that, where you just kind of do what he does or she does. Yeah. yeah. And I find, I find in general, though, the more codependent people are, the less self-care they have. So even if really, not, yeah, not even looking at relationships, people that are really codependent will become workaholics because they don't want to let people down at work. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, they found that a lot of um, they're like the giver types and they won't take bathroom breaks. They'll hold their pee. And it's what? Yeah. That even taking adequate bathroom breaks when you have codependency because you're do do doing for others and don't want to let people down and kind of overachieving. So it can just be this innate like doing, doing, doing for others and not stopping to look and see what, what kind of care and what needs you have. Yeah. Oh, this is really good. And I think like what you said in the beginning, half the battle is that awareness and like detecting some of these signs that it's not good for you. So I love that you went through it and dissected it. And so then what have you found to be helpful to get over some of this stuff, both for yourself and maybe with clients, I mean, or maybe it's both. Yeah. Both, definitely. Um, (laughs) By the way, I know that I only got through four of them and I do have an article on my website if anybody wants to read the rest of them. Maybe I'll tell them where to find that at the end. But yeah, so So what do you do about this? So in my program, I teach a lot of different methods and things, but I'll just start with two of the main things. One of the main things is that you want to start to source self-love and learn to fill up your own love tank so that you're not looking for validation outside of yourself. 
when we are radiating love and acceptance from the inside out, then we're not as prone at needing or looking for that validation from somebody. We're or we already have it from within. So one of the things I teach people to do is to fill up their internal love tank. We all have like a tank inside. I like to think of it as, and you know, if you're running on empty and then it's like a bank account, if you're in the red and your bank account is overdrawn and then you write a check, that check is going to bounce. It's the same thing with self-esteem and self-love when we're running low and then you meet a guy who's like, oh, you know, you're a little heavier than you looked in your profile picture. It rocked us. It rocks us, right? And yeah. then we feel insecure. But when we're, we're generating and filling up that love tank from inside, then, um, then we're not prone to it. It's like, okay, well, then I'm just not his type, you know? Or <laughs> Yes. And you won't take it in so much. I love that metaphor you're using, like the, the internal love tank. In fact, it's funny because that woman that I talked about in the beginning, that's what I asked her. I said, you know, what do you like to do and what are you good at outside of this relationship? And she paused and she, she's like, oh my gosh, Kim, I, I, I don't even know. I'm like, well, this is where we need to start. It, it was exactly what you said. It's starting to fill up that love tank. That's a beautiful like metaphor. Love it. Okay. That's good. Yeah. So I guide people through processes to just like you said, rediscover who they are, mm -hmm. what they like, what their interests are. And I also help people get clear about what their, their like to haves are and what their must haves are. Must haves are your non-negotiables. Your like-to-haves are the things that are like preferences. So I teach people to get clear about these two things, and I have a process that I take them through. But basically, your non-negotiables are things that they're make or breaks. So let's just say that you think that a non-negotiable is that he has to be seven foot tall. But <laughs> you know, sometimes we get like fixated on these things, like, oh, he has to be seven foot tall. But the, the question I like to propose to myself, or I invite you to propose to yourself is, if he had everything else that you want, but he was like, you know, an inch shorter than seven foot tall. Would that be a make or break? Would you be like, yeah, no, he's an inch too short. Sorry, has everything else on my list, but that doesn't work for me. Or would you be like, no, okay. Then, then it's a preference that he's seven foot tall. But if he, but if you have being honest on your make or break list, then it doesn't really matter if he's seven foot tall and gorgeous and has all these other things, if he's not honest and that's on your make or breaks, then you really want to take a look at that. And I always tell people, if we have something that's on our must list, our, our must list, our make or breaks, and we don't, and then we don't keep that boundary and we still date somebody or get into a relationship or stay in a relationship with somebody that has that, then we're abandoning ourselves, and it mm. will never work. Yes. I love that you distinguish the two between the likes versus the non-negotiables must-haves because I don't know about you, but I find a lot of times too, people don't know the difference. Like they'll name something that they think in their mind is non-negotiable, but really it's a like. Right. And so yeah, you're so right. And trying to just decipher that is yeah. extremely important. Really good. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it can show up in different ways too. Like I just worked with a woman and her partner is using drugs and narcotics recreationally mm -hmm. and he's addicted. And I said, well, is this okay with you? And she said, no, but I've asked him several times and he won't stop. 
is I've helped her to get clear, okay, well, is this on your must have list? And she's, I said, can you imagine being with somebody for five, 10, 15 years and he keeps using drugs? And she said, no, that doesn't work for me. I said, well, then this is a must have. And so I show people how to move forward powerfully to really honor their must-haves in relationship. That's awesome. Do you do any, like, how does the spiritual, I, just because I don't know much about it, I'm interested in understanding, like, how do you incorporate the spirituality piece in some of these exercises? One of the things I do, and if you want, may, I can pull one up, is that um, there are prayers that we read during my program. Every week, there's a different prayer. And these are very, very powerful prayers oh. that have channeled that, channeled mm-hmm. that have what are called light codes that are embedded in the words. So then there's the words, and then there is what's behind the words. And this energy actually gets encoded within your system and helps you to create change. So they're very, very powerful prayers. Yeah. So let me know. I don't know if that resonates for your audience, but I'm happy to read one if you'd like. Yes. We, yeah. I am sure that everyone's like hanging on, listening, <laughs> hoping that you will read one. Yeah. Do you have time to do that? Well, let's do it. So I'm trying to decide. Okay. There's one prayer that is for um, not compromising. And there's another prayer for uh-huh. dependency. Is there one that you think resonates more? What, oh my God, I think both actually relates to what we're talking about too. So whatever feels like more congruent for your, for your, yourself right now. Okay. I'm going to pull up, I'm going to, I'm going to read the one about, um, hmm. Oh, let's do the, let's do the codependency. Yeah. I think that's good. Okay. Hold on one second. Let me just pull that up. I wish we had like drum roll of some sort or do you ever work with like instruments too? Like, I don't know. I'm, I, this is like maybe a generalization. I'm thinking, do you guys work with drums and stuff like that? Uh, well, when people come out to work with me in person, we go into sacred native American ceremonies where we're using sacred plants used by the native Americans for thousands uh. of years that creates spiritual awakening and remove trauma from your nervous system. So we do in person, we do very deep shamanic work. That's very, very, very profound. Oh, that's so cool. Okay. No, I think everyone's super excited to experience this. Okay. So I found the prayer we're going to read. This prayer is called a prayer of inner dependency. Okay. So this, this prayer was channeled by, by Kai Corral, my partner. Uh, in a book called Prayer, Prayerful Hearts. Dear God, oh, and let me say this, as we read this, what you want, what I invite everyone to do is to really bring your full awareness and listen to every word and try to hold as much focus as you can. If you find yourself dozing off or um, not holding focus, then there's probably a part of this that um, you're not that is, has medicine for you, you know, that is bringing something up for you. You're avoiding it. So if you notice yourself daydreaming and drifting off, just bring your attention back. And maybe I can even give you this and that you can, maybe you can post it someplace for everybody, Kim. Oh, I would love to. Yes. Yes. I'd be happy to. Okay. So dear God, when I find the courage and look within I can see a core wound of immense pain and profound uncertainty. My sense of self is trembling 
as I dare utter these words. I can see the nature of my codependent tendencies. I see how I rely on external validation to find my self-worth. I seek light within my darkness. I beg for recognition and plead to find wholeness in my fragmented, sometimes fractured sense of being. I live my life as if it has no existence of its own without the constant acknowledgement and approval of my brothers and sisters. This form of connection seems to be the only one I know. This pull to live on the surface without relying on my own strengths and my own emotional safety. As I can see only at, as if I can only feel loved if I ask you to ensure and promise that you truly love me back. When I stand in this truth, I shrivel, contract, and need this reassurance even more. You know what? I'm going to go back and read this paragraph because I missed a couple words. Oh, yeah. No worries. I can feel vibrationally that um, there is something in me that's getting recoded as I'm reading this. So I'm going to read this one again. I live my life as if it has no existence of its own without the constant acknowledgement and approval of my brothers and sisters. This form of connection seems to be the only one I know. This pull to live on the surface with, without relying on my own strength and my own emotional safety. As if I can only feel loved if I ask you to ensure and promise that you truly love me back. When I stand in this truth, I shrivel, contract, and need to need this reassurance even more. Dear angels of love and compassion, let me center in my own sense of interdependence, my own sovereignty, and my own authentic knowing of who I am and who I constantly choose on becoming. Let me be a river and not fleeting gust of wind. Let me find my truest nature within myself and within my freedom. These needs have no basis in my sphere or take part in my reality of choice. I need not to find my center from without, but center from within. Dear God, I depend on your air and your water. I depend on my friends and my family. I don't depend on their love or appreciation. I choose interdependency of our connection and freedom of will. When I seek love from an external source, I know truly that the only love is nothing but condition, conditional, and will lead to nothing but eventual pain. I am choosing anew and embracing this powerful now. Now I am here and grasping for an illusionary state of safety. My divine I am presence shines and illuminates the path I walk on. My center is filled and my heart is overflowing. 
I am situated within the Trinity flame of my heart. I am my voice and I am sovereign power. I affirm, declare, and announce my state of harmony and utmost peace. My words offer grace and my presence an inspiring force of light and devotion. I was, I am, I will. And so it is. Okay, and scene. <laughs> that was amazing. Oh my gosh. Honestly. I mean, I think your words and, and the rhythm of it, and you know, I, it's the feeling that it elicits is so powerful. And I can tell you're so good at what you do. You know, I, I, I really felt that with you too. So thank you for that. Mm, you're so welcome. Yeah. <sighs> well, you know, I just, I, and I know you have so many other juicy tips. And, you know, I, again, I encourage everyone to reach out to this woman. Um, I want to recap and then, Rose, definitely let people know how they can find you. And I know um, you have that article if you wanted to, you know, hear more tips about the signs. But overall, I love just these kind of three solid ones that you just gave, you know, and helping you just feel solid within by giving yourself that self-love, you know, filling up your love tank, as you put it so beautifully. And the second is really deciphering between what you what you are looking for that is a like versus a must have or non-negotiable and really like understanding the difference for yourself. And finally, just that whole prayer. And, you know, for those of you who meditate or do visualization or it could be in a form of a prayer, I think is so powerful and important. We all get in our heads so much. And it's, I did a whole podcast on that actually. And I think that something like this can really, you know, get you more to the feeling of it and start addressing it and feeling and allowing yourself to feel that self-love, which was just so beautiful in that last prayer. So Rose, thank you. Is there anything you want to add and let people know how to find you? Sure. Yes. Um, thank you so much for having me on. This really has been a pleasure. And yes, I, I will give that prayer to share. And those that don't resonate with prayer, prayer is really, it can just be an intention. Mm -hmm. um, think of it like that so it can be a good thing to center yourself with every day to read that intention um, my website is rosecole.com it's r-o-s-e-c-o-l-e.com and if you click on the blog tab on the top you'll see this article the seven signs you lose yourself in a relationship we only got a chance to go over four but there's several more and there's also some information about my program called truthfully which is a nine-week program that helps people to overcome people-pleasing and learn how to set boundaries and fill up your love tank and increase your self-esteem and all of the amazing things we spoke about today. So please stay in touch. And, oh, I also um, can always be found on Facebook. If you look up Lightworkers is a Facebook group that I lead, and that would be a wonderful place for us to connect and get to know each other as well. Love it. Love it. Okay. I'm going to be totally codependent right now in this podcast because I've been holding my pee. Does that mean I'm codependent? <laughs> but 
only because I was hanging on to every word of your prayer, Rose, and I didn't want to disrupt this. So anyway, thanks for joining me today. This has been the Charisma Quotient. I am your host, Kim Seltzer. And remember, you can build confidence, make connections, and find love from the outside in. And make sure you go to my site, seltzerstyle.com, if you're looking for some more support for your clothes so that you can be seen and having a voice along with all this other stuff that we were talking about. And I also have a new Facebook group. So you should join both Rose's, you know, group and I, that would be like, you know, two for one. And uh, mine's called the Love Makeover Insider. So just click the link you will see here in the show description and stay tuned until next week with more tips and how to feel and look fabulous every day.